Welcome to the Lake Point Church Weekend Messages Podcast. Thanks for joining us to hear the latest sermons happening at our church. We pray that God speaks to you in a timely way through this message. And if you're encouraged by this podcast, be sure to rate, review, and share it to help get the word out. You can find more digital content to feed your faith and our other podcasts by visiting lakepoint.church/digital. Now, let's tune into the message for today. Lakepoint family, we have an incredible honor today. You know, in our More Than Us initiative, we talked about how Lakepoint has been used by God to plant 48 churches in the hardest to reach cities in North America, and how over the next five years, we are praying that God will allow us to plant another 48 in those same cities. Well, one of those planters that we planted is a man named David Podier that planted La Chapelle Church in Montreal, Canada. Now, what you gotta know is that this man has seen nothing short of an indescribable supernatural move of God. In just eight years, in one of the hardest to reach cities in the world, La Chapelle Church has grown to an average weekly worship attendance of over 1,600 people. At Easter, they had over 5,000 people in attendance and have baptized 600 people since they were planted by Lake Point Church. Now, you also gotta know that David Potier has been facing unbelievably strict COVID restrictions. So this man hasn't gotten to preach to like a good live audience in quite some time. So Lake Point Church, will you please put your hands together and welcome a legend in the kingdom and a man worthy of our honor, David Potier. Good morning, Lake Point Church, doing good? So good to be with you today. Uh, I need to apologize for this introduction. It was way too much for me. So, uh, but I'm so glad to be here. While I'm searching for my sermon because I just lost it, uh, I want to thank Pastor Just for having me uh, because uh, I'm French, if you haven't seen. Uh, my accent, I'm a Quebecois. I'm a French-speaking person. Our church is French-speaking. Everything's happening in French. So I preach in English once or twice a year, so you have that privilege today. Uh, if, if you don't understand me, I will just pray for the gift of interpretation, and we're all going to be fine. Is okay? All right. Hey, can we make some noise for your pastor, Pastor Josh? He's a legend. He is a legend. Let me tell you. Come on, showing some love right now. Come on, come on. All right, let's read Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 9. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn nor weep, for all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, Drink the sweet. When I read that, I thought to myself, finally a command that is easy to obey for me. Amen? <laughs> so I thought, when am I going to cook a big fat steak on the barbecue and drinking Coca-Cola? And my wife comes to me and says, hey, honey, this is not good for your health. I will answer her, hey, babe, I'm just obeying the word of God. It's not my fault. And all the meat lovers says, 
Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Go back to the text. Eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portion to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. My title today, The Joy of the Lord. Question, where does joy comes from? Answer, it comes from God. Zephaniah 3 says this, The Lord your God in your midst, the mighty one will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. I'm so glad that I serve a God that is not stoic, indifferent, and miserable, but I serve a God who celebrates not only with joy, but with great joy. Luke 15, Jesus says this, Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Notice that. The text don't say that the angels are rejoicing. I'm sure they do. But the text is saying that there is joy before the angel in the presence of the angels. So if there is joy before the angel, who's rejoicing? You know the answer. God. God is rejoicing. The God of Israel is different than all other ancient divinities because he is the only one who rejoice, sing, dance, and celebrate. So heaven is not a place with chubby angels sitting on clouds playing some harps. That's not heaven. Heaven is a place of joy and celebration because God is happy. God is the happiest being in the universe. You knew that? John Ortberg wrote this, we will not understand God until we understand this about him. God is the happiest being in the universe. God also knows sorrow. Jesus is remembered, among other things, as a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. But the sorrow of God, like the anger of God, is his temporary response to a fallen world. That sorrow may be banished forever from his heart on the day the world is set right. Joy is God's basic character. Joy is his eternal destiny. God is the happiest being in the universe. Hallelujah. Is it the picture you have of God? Is it what you see about God? Do you see a God of wrath first? Or a God of joy first? Other things are temporary response. God is a God of joy. God is joyful and he wants us to express his joy. Psalm 100 says this, shout with joy before the Lord, O earth. Did you get that? Probably not. Okay. Are you living on planet earth? Yeah, okay, I'm going to give you a second chance, okay? Shout with joy before the Lord, O earth. Okay, I'm going to ask every black people and Latino people in the room to help us, okay? We white people need your help on this. Shout with joy before the Lord, O earth. Come on. God. 
God wants us to express his joy. Now, some Christians have a joy that is so profound that we never see it. You say, but Pastor David, I have the joy of the Lord in my heart. All right, all right. But talk to your heart to talk to your face. I grew up in a church where we, we had distorted vision of spirituality. We thought that the more serious you were, the more severe you were, the more spiritual you were. And I remember this lady in our church, she was never smiling, always severe, always serious. And I, it, it bothers me as a kid. So I asked my mom, mom, what is her problem? And my mom said, oh, she don't have any problem. It's because she is so close to the Lord. <laughs> And I thought, really? If this is to be close to the Lord, I don't want to be close to the Lord. You see, we can have this distorted vision of Christianity and God. I remember years ago, I went to a church, and when you get in the building, they had this warning sign. It was big. You know what was written on it? No laughing aloud. <laughs> When I saw that, I told my wife, ah, ah, this is so funny, no laughing. And I couldn't control myself, it was too funny. <laughs> Many people have believed this lie, that you have to choose between being happy and spiritual. That you have to choose between fun and fate. But let me tell you, if your fate is killing all the fun in your life, you may have not faith, you may just have religion. That was a good time to clap. That was. was I, when I was a youth pastor, a, a young lady, she came to our church, and I, I went to her, and I said, hey, uh, you're new. She said, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I, I'm here now. This is my church. I said, why, why you change? She said, because every time I went to my other church, I came out of there depressed. And I was young, and I knew one day I would plant a church, but it just hit me like a truck. And in my spirit, I got this holy indignation. And I said, this should never be that way. The place where people should be lifted up, encouraged, full of joy, is the church of Jesus Christ. You agree with me? This is why in our church, we sing loud. We cry out loud. We clap hard because church should never look like a funeral. Church should look like heaven. And in heaven, there is joy. There is celebration. There is a party in heaven right now over one sinners who repent. So can we sound like heaven for five seconds and make some noise for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Come on. That began to sound like heaven a bit. Yes, that's good. Have you noticed how our culture is going more and more towards cynicism? Have you noticed that? Uh, but that's not my biggest problem with that. Uh, my biggest problem is that now cynicism is part of many church. Many Christians have become cynical. We became cynical about the zeal of new believers. You know why? Because we lost our own passion for the Lord. 
We have become uh, cynical about prayer because we had stopped praying. We had become cynical about miracles because we don't expect them to happen anymore. But I think joy is a cure to this cancer of cynicism that, that wrapped heart of believers today. And I think it's time for the church to get serious about joy again. Three principles to cultivate joy. Number one, getting serious about joy. The text says that people were mourning and weeping. And Ezra said, chapter 8, verse 10, do not sorrow. How can you say to some people that are in tears, do not sorrow? It seems brutal to me. It seems like a lack of compassion to me. How can you say that? Here's why. Because joy is a choice. Joy is a choice. You say, really, pastor? Yes, joy is a choice. You say, this is not that simple. I know this. I know this. But joy is a choice. God would never commend us something we can do. Joy is a skill that you can learn. Science has shown that some parts of our brain are fully mature and developed as we are adults. But science has shown that some parts of our brain, like the center of joy, can grow all life long. In other words, we can learn to be happy. You can learn this. I don't care where you're coming from. I don't care what you're going through right now. You can learn this because God would never command us to do something we cannot do. Now, joy is a choice. So you have to understand this also. To rejoice always is absurd. But to rejoice always in the Lord is not. Ezra said, Ezra didn't say do not sorrow for the joy is your strength. That's not what he said. He said, do not sorrow for the joy of the Lord is your strength. This is different. This is the same idea that the Apostle Paul picked up in Philippians 4 when he said, rejoice in the Lord always. He didn't say rejoice always. Why? Because rejoicing always is absurd. Sometimes the most appropriate response is not joy, it's grief, it's sadness. Rejoice always can be absurd because some days you don't have anything to rejoice. It's absurd to always rejoice. But to always rejoice in the Lord is, is not absurd. It is possible in every moment, circumstances, it is possible to rejoice in Him. You need to understand also that joy of the Lord is not based on circumstances. That's why you can choose joy, because it's not based on circumstances. It's different than happiness. Happiness is a temporary emotion based on circumstances. And often we live in that illusion that one day, one moment, at one time, joy will fall on us. When? When I'll get the job, when I'll get the house, when I'll get married, when my kids are going to come back. We think that it's going to fall like this. But real joy, 
biblical joy, the joy of the Lord, is not based on circumstances. Look what Habakkuk wrote. Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields yields no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, he got a bad day. <laughs> this is a bad day. You agree with that? But look how he closed. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. If you have a bad day, a bad week, a bad month, a bad year, a bad life, you can rejoice in the Lord because it's not based on circumstances. You can have a million dollar in your bank account and not have joy. And you can be broke and have joy. You can have a fantastic well-paid position and don't have joy. And you can work at McDonald's and have joy. You can have a great spouse and don't have joy. You can have a not so great spouse <laughs> and have joy. You can have perfect health and not have joy. But you can be sick and have the joy of the Lord. I remember years ago, there's a guy in our church. He, he had an accident. He fell from his rooftop, broke, broke his back, hips, and legs. It was terrible. For months, he was in pain in the hospital, and our pastor told us on Sunday morning, hey, can you please go visit Mike at the hospital because he will need our encouragement in this uh, trial. And my wife and I, we, we went to the hospital, and when we get in, we were shocked because we expected to see somebody that would totally depress and that we would need to encourage him. But when we saw him... His face was glowing like Moses coming down the mountain, I'm telling you. He was so full of joy. He encouraged us. He hugged us. It was like energy in your body. Oh, fantastic. The next Sunday morning in church, the pastor then said, hey, please go visit Mike. He needs encouragement. The pastor said, you all need to go visit Mike. <laughs> How can it be? It can be because the joy of the Lord is more than an emotion. It is a spiritual condition. Yes, joy is an emotion, of course. But it is first and foremost a spiritual condition. Most people think that joy exists in a binary condition. Either I am sad or either I have joy. It is one or the other. But the joy of the Lord is existing in a non-binary condition, which means you can be sad and have the joy of the Lord at the same time. It means your dad just died, passed away, and your tears are full of pain and grief. But at the same time, you have an overwhelming joy that comes from above. That comes from the Lord. It means that you can be in sorrow and have the joy of the Lord at the same time. Because the joy of the Lord is big enough to contain 
all your griefs and loneliness and sufferings and disappointment and discouragement as faith is big enough to contain all your doubts. Some people say, I cannot have faith because I have doubt. Let me tell you, faith is big enough to contain all your doubts. In the same way, joy is big enough to contain all your sadness and all your pain and all your sorrows. For the joy of the Lord is my strength. Ezra understood this connection between joy and strength. He understood that when your joy is up, your strength is up. When your joy is down, your strength is down. It is not the strength of the Lord, it is not the strength of the Lord that is my joy. It is the joy of the Lord that is my strength. It's different. So start with joy and the strength will come. Amen. Joy produces energy. Joy makes us strong. Joy is a better therapy than anything. Any therapy you can imagine, joy is better than that. Joy is better than drugs. Joy is better than a joint. Joy is better than the Dallas Cowboys win the Super Bowl next year. I know it's hard. It's hard to hear for you, but joy is better than that, friends. Joy is better than a chocolate box. Joy is a better therapy than shopping. I know anybody here in this church thinks that shopping is a therapy. But uh, up there in our churches, uh, some people do. Joy is better than any therapy. Joy is so powerful because it's connected to your strength. And the enemy of your soul will work so hard to steal your joy. Because if he steals your joy, he's going to have your strength. So he's going to fill your mind with all the reasons you have to be frustrated and jealous and bitter and discouraged. He wants you to minimize your blessing and magnify your misfortunes. He wants you to focus on bad things and not on good things. He wants us to look at what we don't have and not to look at what we do have. And he will use all his tactics against you to make you feel anger, self-pity, sadness, ungratefulness, and when you fall in his trap, little by little, you lost your joy. And when he have your joy, he have your strength. That's why he's after your joy. But there's another reason why he's after your joy. Did you know that the enemy cannot experiment joy at all? Because he's banished from the presence of God, he cannot now and then have access to any joy. He only experiments sadness. That's the only thing he knows. So because he's so angry, he wants you to be just like him. You know some people like that? If you don't have it, if I don't have it, nobody's going to have it. He's that way. 
He's after your joy because he wants you to be exactly like him, full of grief and full of sadness. It is time for the church to stand up and to say to the enemy of our soul, you will not have my joy. I will not be like you in Jesus' name. Somebody believe that. You believe that. Come on, clap hard for the Lord. Lord, give us your joy. Getting serious about joy. Number two, getting serious about obedience to the word of God. Chapter 8, verse 12. And all the people went and rejoiced greatly because they understood the words that were declared to them. And they found written in the law, which the Lord has commanded by Moses, that the children of Israel should dwell in booth during the feast of the seventh month. So the whole assembly and those who had returned from the captivity made booth, and there was very great gladness. Two things here. They understood the word, and they obeyed the word. First, they understood the word. I think if we don't feed ourselves regularly with the word of God, we will not experiment joy. I met with a, a woman a couple weeks ago. She was full of joy. And I said, hey, tell me your story. She said, oh, I was, never, I was not always this way. She said, 15 years ago, I was fiancé with a Christian man, and uh, I, I just got nuts. I left him, I left the church, I left my family, and I went into a, a life of immorality for three years. Nobody knew where I was. And she said, after three years, I came back. I came back to my family, I came back to church, I came back to my fiancé, I married him, and we have kids, and I put my life in order. But, but she said, I didn't have joy. I was in church. I have a right life, but I didn't have joy for 10 years. And I said, what happened? She said, I began to read the Word of God every day. I said, what do you read? She said, everything. I read 50 chapters a day. I said, you do that? She said, yes. And now I understand scriptures and it gives me so much joy. Don't expect joy if you don't feed yourself with the word of God. You need to understand the word to have joy. Now, not just understand, but obey the word because understand the word gives you a level of joy. But what gives you a deeper joy is to obey the word of God. Anna Woodall Smith wrote this, joy comes from obedience to Christ and through obedience to Christ. Without obedience, joy is shallow and artificial. You need to know this. Sometimes we live in sin Sometimes we live in disobedience and God can pour out on us some drop of joy, some moment of joy. But this is an abnormal situation. The New Testament teaches us that real joy, profound joy, comes through a process that the Bible calls sanctification when we obey, when we choose to obey the Word of God. So the path to joy is the path of obedience. There is no joy deeper than the joy of obedience. Jesus said, if you keep my commands, my joy will be in you and your joy will be full. So this explains why so many Christians, believers, don't have joy. Because they never sacrifice anything for the Lord. 
Everything the Lord asked them to do or renounce to, they just uh, resist the Lord and they don't have joy. They even come to this point that they think if it's faith, it's working. It is thing called Christianity really works. My question is, are you obeying the word? Because when you obey, there is joy. Some of you never had a moment like Abraham did when God said, you're going to sacrifice this child to me. And, and he did it because it was an act of worship. There is a joy that comes with obedience. Now, there's somebody here that God asked you to give him something. Give me that. Give me that sin. Give me that habit. Give me that thought. Give me that. And you resist because you think that the moment you will give it to the Lord, your life will be miserable. So you wait for joy to come before abandon the thing. But joy comes after, immediately after, when your will, when your wills uh, just say, yes, Lord, the joy comes at that moment. And the thing that you thought was the hardest in the world to renounce to, God can fill you with joy when you collaborate with him and say yes to his word. What is the thing that you resist God right now? Is it a relationship that is not the will of God? Is it an appetite that is out of order? It is your sexuality that is not aligned with scriptures? It is something you watch, you say, you do? Is it somewhere you go? Don't expect joy if you don't walk in obedience. Number three. We need to get serious about worship. Chapter 9, verse 5. And the Levites said, stand up and bless the Lord your God forever and ever. Blessed be your glorious name, which is exalted above all blessing and all praise. And if you read the whole chapter, you will see that they just burst in worship. For 37 verses. They praise the Lord. They worship the Lord. They say things like, you are powerful. You are merciful. You are miracle maker. You are our deliverer. You are full of grace because joy comes through worship. Stop waiting to have joy to worship. Worship and joy will come. It's the opposite. And many Bible character understood that principle. If you would ask King Jehoshaphat when he was outnumbered by the Ammonite and the Moabite with the people of Judah, why are you singing, guys? They would answer you, we're not singing because we are outnumbered. We are singing because the joy of the Lord is our strength. If you would ask Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego about to be thrown in the furnace, why are you singing, guys? They would answer you, we're not singing because we're going in the furnace. We are singing because the joy of the Lord is our strength in the furnace. If you ask Paul and Silas in prison in Philippi, why you guys are you singing? They would answer you, we don't sing because we are in prison. We sing because the joy of the Lord is our strength even in prison. Years ago, I heard that story about a family who had a small bird. It was a canary. And the, the bird was singing all the time. Uh, evening, morning, and he made the joy of the, the family there. And one day, his mistress was uh, cleaning his cage with a vacuum cleaner, as she usually does. But she dropped accidentally something on the floor. So she leaned to 
pick it up. And she didn't notice that the angle of the vacuum hose changed a little bit, and the little bird was just sucked in the vacuum cleaner. So she began to panic. Oh, my goodness. So she stopped the machine, opened the door, put the take the bags out. She tear the bag and find out the little bird. And he was alive. He was alive. But he was full of dust, completely gray. The only thing you can see were the little eyes. So she cleaned up her bird, put it back in the cage, and said, oh, thank you, Jesus, my bird is alive. But there was only one problem. The bird never sang again. The bird had PTSD. <laughs> the bird had BPTSD, bird PTSD. And I was, I was thinking, this is some of you today. You have been sucked in the enemy vacuum cleaner. The enemy tried to put some dirt on you and you feel it right now and you feel stuck and you, you're full of dirt of your sin. You're full of dirt of despair. You're full of dirt of discouragement and tears and sadness. Let me tell you, I came here from Montreal to tell you this. You are gonna sing again. You are going to sing again. It's not done. It's not the end. God is with you. You are going to sing again. Discouraged people in the room, take heart because you are going to sing again. Depressed people, you are going to sing again. You've been through a divorce. Let me tell you, you are going to sing again. You're disappointed you had broken dreams. It did not happen how you thought it would be. And it is so hard. I know it hurts. I know this is not what you expected. I know you thought that your kids were walking the Lord's way. And they don't right now. Let me tell you, you are going to sing again. You're going to sing again. And while you're singing, you're going to see the glory of God again. And you're going to win this battle while you're singing. Because this is not your battle. This battle belongs to the Lord. You just have to show up on the battlefield. Show up every day. Show up today and sing his name and worship God. And we will fight. he will fight for us. He will fight for you. He will fight for you. Sing, praise his name. He is worthy. He is good. He is worthy of our praise. Can we sound like heaven for 10 seconds and praise the name of the Lord in the house? Come on. Come on. Hey, can we stand up together? Come on, stand up and give a massive praise to Jesus in the house. Come on. Come on, folks. Sing again, come on. Sing again. You're gonna sing again. Hey, stay up. I'm closing with this. One talk, and I'm done. I'll pray for you after. Psalm 118. 118. Anyway, this. Uh, 
You know this verse. It says, this is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. You know that verse. Most of you do. I used to think that this day mean this day. But I met a new friend uh, two, three weeks ago, and he is a Jewish messianic pastor. And he told me, David, this verse, this day don't mean this day. He said, in this verse, this day mean this day. Because the context is pointing to the day that the Messiah will come. And we know that the Messiah had come. 2,000 years ago, the Messiah was crucified for us. And because of his sacrifice, we are forgiven. Because of that day, we are justified by faith. Because of that day, we are sanctified by grace. Because of that day, we can be called children of the Lord. Because of that day, we can be sons and daughters of the living God. Because of that day. So even if you don't find any reason to rejoice today, you can rejoice today because of that day because of what Jesus did for us. Come on, rejoice in the Lord right now. Rejoice in Jesus right now. Oh Lord, we love you so much. Now I pray for you. Lord, I pray for my friends here. I pray for all of us that we will get serious about joy. That we will obey your word. I pray for those who resist you in a sphere of their life. That I pray that they will just I pray that they will they will just give up their will and walk in obedience. And I pray that you will open again our mouth and that we will praise you. And worship you. I pray for those who have lost their song. Those who think that they could never sing again. I pray right now, by the power of the Holy Spirit, for a move of God in their hearts. So that the joy of the Lord may be their strength. So that they will begin to sing again. And that they will begin to rejoice in your day again. Lord, I pray for those who are hurting and discouraged in this place. I pray now for a new day. I pray that their chains will be broken. I pray that the lie they believed, that they cannot rejoice those lies are exposed right now and we choose joy because you are good because we love you Jesus we choose joy today in Jesus name and all the children of God says amen amen and amen thanks for listening today for more biblical teaching and worship join us for our church online live weekend services on Saturdays at 5 p.m 
and Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. For more information about all the digital ministries of Lake Point, visit lakepoint.church/digital. Lake Point.